This is Grow Your Life with Jason Scott Montoya, a podcast with stories and systems to live better and work smarter. Welcome to this episode of Inspirational People. I'm Jason Scott Montoya, and I'd like to introduce you to John Hightower of Arch and Tower. John, welcome. Glad to have you. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me, Jason. I'm, I'm excited about our conversation. Yes, me as I, I am as well. So um, through Jessica Lally International, John and I were both recently connected, uh, only to discover that we both participated in the same LifeWork Leadership Program in 2014. <laughs> so six years ago, we knew each other. We just, yeah. I forgot and he remembered. So, <laughs> um, But John is the co-founder and CEO at Arch and Tower, uh, which is a company that helps business leaders transform frustrated customers and disengaged employees into both vocal advocates and loyal ambassadors under operational excellence. And so you'll probably dive a little bit into those three areas. But before I dive into my questions, tell me about you, yourself, your story, your company, um, how you help others, and let's get to know sure. you. Well, Jason, again, thank you so much. It's been, uh, it's been an incredible experience helping build Arch and Tower from the ground up. We focus on helping business leaders navigate uncharted territory. You touched on it a bit. The customer experience, employee experience, and operational excellence is a, is a really interesting model that we've created yeah. from, from just different best practices and frameworks. And it addresses a $75 billion issue, which is the customer experience. Mm-hmm. And these stats are produced by Pricewaterhouse. It is a, uh, is a tremendous amount of opportunity for business leaders and organizations to focus on. Yeah. Uh, my background um, has been in the consultative space. So to build an organization from the ground up has been a true honor. Um, we worked with companies like Chick-fil-A, the founder of the Ritz-Carlton, or Schultze, mm-hmm. and a lot of startups and mid-sized firms. Okay. So it's been just a true, true honor to, to, to build something from the ground up and um, yeah. excited it's, to tell you more about that as we get. Start, start from scratch. Um, sure. <laughs> yeah, when I work with yeah. a client that's because I do content marketing, um, and they want to, and they already have a library and things going, I can help like put some, so amplify what they're doing. But when they start from zero, it's, I mean, I know it needs to be done, but it's usually a long and hard road. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it's fun though. I mean, it's yeah. one of those, you roll up your sleeves, you figure things out. And yeah. from there, if you're providing value to your customers, yeah. and we really focus on the felt needs of organizations, like what do they really need? They yeah. may tell you one thing. Yeah. But what are they truly communicating? Mm-hmm. When you focus on that felt need, that's when the value begins to happen, even with content. Hey, what are people thinking about? And what are those nuances of how to communicate maybe those dim- deeper pieces mm-hmm. of what they're truly wanting to understand? Um, yeah. We really focus on that part. But you're hitting it right on the head. Yeah, It's a fun piece to build something from the ground up, focusing on yeah. those needs. So how did you get into that world at all? I mean, did, is this what you went to school for? or? Are you like me where you got a, a degree in 3D animation and you're not using it at all? <laughs> well, I've, I did my undergrad at Georgia Tech and they have an amazing program there focused on various components in the business management side. Yeah. And I started my career in healthcare consulting. I was on planes Monday through Friday and it was exhilarating to work with some of the best of the best. And yeah. I was very thankful to be parts of teams that would go into hospital systems okay. and look for inefficiencies in the hospital. Okay. We started in the financial back end and then through some of the questions that I had in training, they yeah. said, we'd like to move you into new product design, new service design. So I found myself early on in my career working through innovative solutions and um, having the ability and the company did a great job of engaging the employees to encourage us and empower us to try new things, which I have now okay. seen tremendous value in that as leading a business yeah. is empowering your employees to do that. Now, were you married at to, the time when you were doing that or were you single? I, I was not. I was, yeah. I was, uh, I was in, in bachelor, uh, bachelor <laughs> bachelor there yeah. and, um, it would have been a, it, it was a, 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 a further decade before marriage okay. entered yeah. into the I'd imagine the with all story. that travel, that would have been a challenging juggle. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it was one of those moments I, I got phone calls from friends on Wednesdays and Thursdays saying, Hey, we're, we're going to go celebrate someone's birthday. And I saw yeah. myself missing a lot of opportunities and that yeah. allowed me to pivot to grad school and to MBA at Auburn and focused on kind of finance and leadership. I thought okay. I'd be using more of my finance background and, yeah. Ironically, uh, <laughs> focus a lot more on the leadership side of things. Um, by choice or by circumstance? Providence. Yeah, Providence. I believe, 
there's a couple of things. One, um, I was, from my my personal perception and and lens of faith, I was chasing um, riches rather than uh, I was chasing rubies mm-hmm. and gold rather than wisdom. Yeah. And I found myself early on in my career saying, "All right, I need to seek wisdom." And through that, just doors opened up that led into a, a really interesting and very fruitful career. And yeah, now I get to work with amazing team members. Yeah. So, now I do have yeah. a question because of the the situation sure. you know we find ourselves in the world being in the medical arena did did in the consulting i mean did was an outbreak something you planned for in in the healthcare system or was it not even in the in the how how blindsided were we that this has happened <laughs> well that is a great question that i'll leave <laughs> to experts um to give frame of reference it was the early 2000s and yeah. uh, i learned one of my best leadership lessons because of an error I made with a pager. If you remember pagers, um, I had caused a $10,000 issue to happen with a hospital. And I went to my manager and um, said, hey, we were using this pager to field um, issues from the different departments in the hospital. And I'd left the pager on over the weekend. So when I went home, I came back on site and there was this massive pager bill due Mm -hmm. to this hospital. And I went to my manager and I literally was ready for them to take my laptop and move on and realize that maybe the end of my stint to that company and my, my manager, she was amazing. She said, John, I appreciate your transparency and your authenticity on this. We need to ensure that we don't do this in the future. However, it builds a business case that we need to take to the CFO of the hospital and have a conversation with them. So rather than handle a situation differently, she really worked with me and, and helped me give context of how to take some difficult situations and make the better of it. Um, so in today's world, what's that mean for healthcare? I believe healthcare providers and organizations have opportunities that um, we're not there less than four or five weeks ago. We're, we're in the middle of April and there's opportunity for innovation. There's yeah. opportunity for employees and reaching out to them. Um, I think empathy is a really big missed aspect that business leaders need to think about during this season is really being empathetic to the employees. Yeah. And let me also voice the tension that a leader's feeling right now. I need to go and apply for the SBA loan or the main street lending program. Mm -hmm. The leaders are rightfully focused on the financial stewardship of the business. However, we encourage people and we've actually have a service that we are, we, we are giving away we're making investments in companies on our, on our behalf of doing a COVID-19 employee survey. We, it's a five-step process where we do a call with you to understand the employee footprint. And then we deploy the, the survey. We pull together the data. We refine the data and make recommendations based on that. And then we support the CEO or his leaders or her leaders in the C-suite with the best ways to listen to the employees through this survey and then respond to them in a heartfelt, empathetic way. Just because we understand right now, leaders are really struggling with the, what's the next best step. So if people are interested in that, please reach out to me at john at archandtower.com, A-R-C-H-A-N-D-T-O-W-E-R.com. And again, that's an investment we wanna make into the community yeah. right now. We've had multiple organizations um, take us up on that, uh, that offering. And again, it's a way that we can give back during this time. Yeah. So how should be, you know, how should we be as a leader or as the employee or as a company, you know, looking out for the company, um, best interest in the future and the short term and the long term, how should we be looking at this crisis? Um, I mean, kind of alluded to the idea of let's look at this as an opportunity more than anything, but let's dive into that a little bit more. I can tell you my story and that's the story that I know. Um, People are dealing with some really difficult things right now. And it could be the CFO or the CEO thinking, how do I best support and understand how to financially keep our organization afloat? Yeah. Um, so there's the short-term pieces and those require focus and energy. Also want to encourage people if they have the margin and they have the opportunity or if they have maybe downtime they weren't expecting, yeah. what can you do to improve yourself operationally? This goes into our operational excellence. We have three areas, three practice areas. Our customer experience, again, the $75 billion issue, 
that we help organizations look at. The employee experience. The employee experience is the main driver of your customer experience. Yeah. Pricewaterhouse came out with a stat. Over 80% of the customer experience is driven by your employees and the employee experience. Mm-hmm. So we really focus on that. And then the, the hidden piece is continuous improvement. And the operational excellence piece is a focus area that organizations can tend to right now during this coronavirus season. We also are an organization that um, applies what we're working with companies on right now. And what do I mean by that? At Arch and Tower, we're a professional services firm. We bring in white glove consultative services that um, is our DNA as the company that, that we are building together amazing teammates. And we are saying, what are the projects and solutions we're doing? How do we replicate those through process and systems so that we increase our quality, we increase mm-hmm. our productivity, we increase and accelerate onboarding. Those are things we can do right now, today, during this season. We have, some, we have opportunities to really think about how do we best create net new content that's meaningful, yeah. um, which we can share content on that piece. But to me, it's, hey, a lot of folks in the survival mode, if, you've, if you remember Mazda's hierarchy needs, the, <laughs> yeah. the lowest rung is survival. Yeah. And people drop into that. Yeah. And, and it happens at different times. My wife, when she says, hey, we need supplies. I mean, I go into hunter-gatherer mode. And <laughs> yeah. I'm out, I'm going to Costco, I'm gloving up, or I'm masking up, and I take care of that need. And then I can go back up into those other layers of Mazda's yeah. Uh, yeah. And, but it all, I think in that regard, it helps us to to appreciate the lower rungs that we often take for granted. So I, I've joked, to your point, I've joked with my kids, I said, we're, we're close to Lake Lanier. I said, if we run out of food, we're all going fishing this weekend, you know? <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> Do it the old-fashioned way. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so um, so let's talk about, you know, for me and, and the content that I create, I talk a lot about living better, working smarter, systems and stories, and these kind of four facets of, of, of leadership and personal development. But I want to kind of talk about living better and working smarter first, you know, what does that mean to you to live better? What does that mean to you to work smarter and, and for your business and for, for your clients? And, and how has is, how is the current context changed that or, or has it? Maybe it hasn't. Maybe it has. Yeah. Tell me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to take that in, in two segments, professional yeah. and then personal. Professionally, yeah. this is where organizations have the opportunity, especially as organizations move to more remote workforce to trust their employees yeah. there's so many well, times where tr- so yeah tell me tell me what that means specifically what does it mean to trust employees because i think a lot of and the reason i inter- interrupt you is i think a lot of leaders think they trust their employees but in behavior they don't so let me let me understand that better that's a fascinating <laughs> clarification trust in employees is understanding and, and some of this is the balance of relationships and results yeah, right? And this is the cultural components that have been created from when your company was um, founded to now. Like yeah. you, you have that, you, you have some of those habits and those cultural components coming home to roost, if you will. Yeah. But trusting your employees is the key foundation for um, organizational health. Trust mm-hmm. and vulnerability and authenticity are the, the things that Patrick Lindsay talks about. But when you focus on trust and you can trust your employees, um, I trust my employees are going to get done what I, what we've agreed to. Right. And from there, for me, that's the underlying piece of everything. Cause we're going to get through it together. Um, we work as a team to talk about that on our Monday morning uh, team meetings. What are the key things that we need to work on? Let's understand clarity. Let's make sure that everyone understands what we're working on and why and what their role is in that. Yeah. So from there, you have organizational theory that can be driven through the organization. And mm-hmm. I'm going to trust. I'm going to choose to trust and also verify over time those yeah. trust mechanisms come into play. And the, employee, the employees feel more empowered. They feel more engaged. And at the end of the day, they're going to be they're, – they're going to remember this season is that time my employer trusted in me. And there's going to mm-hmm. be that longevity of employee, which everyone is desiring now, especially in the war for talent. Was a was, a, was a, a very focused item most companies are thinking about prior to the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Now is that time to increase that employee-employer um, relationship and tighten it up. Yeah, yeah. So I think what I'm hearing from you is this way of working better allows 
the people that you care about to to live better, right? It empowers them, equips them to do that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and organizational structures and systems are so important, um, especially if you're in the C-suite. Really getting the executive team aligned on what's our organizational goals, right? Part of the Arch and Tower name, the, this the brand. Uh, has a story behind it. So arches span gaps and carry distances. Oh, we okay. like to do that with our customers across departments, across um, organizational hurdles. Mm -hmm. We like to arch and, and carry the weight with our clients. And then towers lift people up to a strategic vantage point. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it in the C-suite, how many times are the CTO and the CMO on the same page? How many times are the CEO and the COO on the same page? And how do you orchestrate that organizational clarity? Yeah. So that mist at the C-Street becomes a fog in the employees. So how do we cut through that and create clarity across the organization? We're doing that with an organization that's 118 years old in the, in the Midwest, and we've been engaged with them for the past nine months, and we started with your executive team, and now you can just see the cascading alignment across the organization, and they're doubling down during this season to invest in their employees. Mm -hmm. And they are in a manufacturing space the central business and right now they are leapfrogging their competition by realizing now is the opportunity mm. when employees are seeing others being either released or furloughed i mean they employees have tons of information being thrown at them from friends and family and media when they feel an organization reinvesting in them during this season i mean the loyalty of the employees are going sky high right now yeah so as you kind of describe that and talk about the 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 visual symbolism of Arch and Tower, you know, the, what comes to my mind is like this whole situation. It's like the tower is now in a fog, like you said. Um, sure. But there's also so much noise. I mean, there already was so much noise, but now there's an infinite amount more of noise of, and it's like, cause we don't know what's going to happen. There's so much uncertainty there. You know, as we learn more and more, we get some sort of sense of clarity and, in broad sw swipes as a as this crisis unfolds but it's very uncertain and so how do business leaders filter that noise to get the high quality information while losing the mediocre and the actually the uh, deceptive <laughs> information that's actually harmful yeah uh, arch and tower we were acquired by a company called Frazier and Dieter, uh, it's a yeah. CPA firm uh, based out of Atlanta at the end of uh, in, in the end of last year. And it's a 400 person firm. We internally were, were asked to help with an employee survey and we were able to gain what were the employees really feeling. And we worked directly with the CEO of, of the firm that acquired us and helping yeah. with that communication. And we encouraged him to be authentic and transparent acknowledge where people are then also fortify with hey this is what i'm feeling yeah i'm i'm feeling this and, and share real feelings real stories but then also give clarity on where the organization is and where we are in regards to the market where we are in regards to the clients because it's innate jason if people don't hear news that's worse than hearing bad news mm -hmm. so if you don't hear news people start people fill the gaps in with all kinds of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And as a leader, do you want to help um, defragment people's hard drives so that people can mentally think and be more productive or do you, do you let them construct their own stories? It's our hypothesis and it's traditionally proven out very well that if you can help people understand where we are, there's going to be a sense of relief or at least acknowledgement about where we are. That authenticity dries up people's engagement and saying, you know what, at least you're being straightforward with me and I can know now what are the next best steps I can do as yeah. an employee, as a manager, as a leader, whatever it may yeah. be. And is, is that essentially how you persuade someone that may be skeptical? I mean, you can have someone that goes to the lockdown mode, right? Do what I say. I'm not going to tell you anything. Or you can go to the other side, which you're describing, which is here's what's happening. I'm not going to be a gatekeeper to the information. Is that your argument to persuade people to, to go that route versus the lockdown authoritarian mode? <laughs> um, so I see it more as less of a, a binary, um, yeah. just more reality, right? So yeah. putting people in that binary, like either lockdown or persuasion, um, I, I believe there's a authenticity that, that allows people to self-select where they want to be. Mm -hmm. And as a leader, 
I want to encourage authenticity and trust wherever I can do that. And, and I'm stressing those points due to the organizational clarity piece. If you do that, that helps people align around what can we do as a business together? And hopefully there isn't persuasion and hopefully there isn't isolation. What yeah. there is is a moment to say we're a community. How do we work together? We're all struggling through this or we're all seeing challenges or people are presenting challenges to us, but yeah. how do we help and think through it? Um, so to, to me, it's, it's how do you as a, as a leader settle your spirit and understand we're going to be, we're going to be okay. It may look different on the back end. And what can we do now with minimal data and every day there's more data. It could be right, wrong, or different. We're not quite sure right now with some of the data that's coming through the systems that we have. And what I mean by that is external systems and media, whatever it may be. You're making almost daily, hourly decisions of what's our best course of action. Mm-hmm. This goes into agile. I mean, you and yeah. I have similar backgrounds and work in this space. This is part where if you're not familiar with the agile, uh, we love to work with organizations on being speedboats over cruise ships. It yeah. takes a long time to turn a cruise ship, which is more of where most organizations are versus agile is how do we take and synthesize information quickly and pivot quickly as we go through the waters that we have to navigate again, helping leaders navigate through waters in times like this is, um, yeah, it's not I mean, pain of heart, but yeah. it is exciting. Yeah. I mean, the big cruise ship that comes to mind is Titanic. So <laughs> didn't work out so well, <laughs> but, uh, but there's a, we, we have crashed into this iceberg and, um, and, and, and it is, I guess that's something interesting to kind of explore is, is much as we can sort of apply principles and be wise, there's a reality that this is just going to be messy. I mean, would you mm-hmm. agree with that? What, what would you say about that? Absolutely. It is, it is messy. <laughs> um, the, the, the thing is, um, I believe what this crisis does for leaders is it creates an opportunity to, to, to push into the mess that they may have avoided previously. Mm. An example is, is we really believe in um, being healthy. That's one of our core values at Arch and Tower. And what that means is, is we understand people are, are going to bring their whole person to work. Um, they're going to bring personal issues. They're going to bring professional issues. There's all these things that people are messy anyway. Yeah. And this is just bringing it to light. So now it's like, I'm a mess. I'm sweating <laughs> right now. You see this sweat right here? Like, hey, but at least I'm being real. Yeah. And we're at, at the common moment, we're all humans and we all have fears and we all have opportunities to trust people and we all have opportunities to say, okay, based on the information we know right now, we realize there's gaps in our service model. We can focus on the external, we can focus on the internal. And let's yeah. let's create a cross-functional team and let's focus on what we can. We heard from our customer surveys, our employee surveys, we need to work on this point of excellence, we call them points of excellence. We're working with the organization right now. We're mapping their entire customer experience from end to end. And for us, the customer experience starts from the digital website, from marketing, all the way through support mechanisms, even the vendor experiences. Yeah. An example is a vendor experience. We ordered a product for our home, a whiteboard, and it was delivered by a third party from the organization we bought it from, a large supply store. And the vendors, we didn't know the difference. They came in and scratched our hardwood floors with this whiteboard. So for us, we had a negative brand experience with that, that retailer. So me as a business leader, who in my systems are delivering part of my product or service? And let's ensure that they are meeting the standards in which mm-hmm. we want to hold ourselves to. Yeah. So this is an example of during this season, do you help your employees and leaders create focus by saying, hey, try the best we can to suspend the external pressures that are coming. We know those are real. Let's acknowledge them. And then let's create hyper-focus on the areas we can prove our service model. So when we come out of this thing, and we will, we're America, um, we're going to rally and it's not going to come without challenges, yeah. but we fought through so much. We will be better. And this is an opportunity to be leaner, more effective, more efficient. Let's remove from maybe mistakes that were hidden in our service models before yeah. and let's move forward with being tighter and more effective and efficient. And there's bottom line impact for that. I mean, there's productivity increases at 60% sometimes when you look at the maturity models that can be deployed right now, there's so much opportunity for improvement. Yeah. But I also want to acknowledge is the challenges that are out there. Yeah. So I think what I'm hearing from you in a larger summary way is 
a lot of the facades we individually or as businesses have created are falling away. You know, I think of the end of the Wizard of Oz, you know, the wizard is behind the curtain. (laughs) And what we think the wizard is, is different than what it is. And all of those differences are now being kind of reconciled to what things really are um, as we are unable to hold up those facades any longer. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm getting very tactical in some of the approach, but I want to give people application points. Yeah. Um, we actually have a 14-point checklist that uh, you can go to archandtower.com and you hit resources. It gives yeah. you a checklist to create focus on where you can think yeah. about and work on right now. And that's a, a free asset that we, we want we yeah, to enable people and enable leaders to use. For that as well, yeah. Thank you, Jason. And uh, I want to maybe use an illustration. One of my mentors had shared with me that home runs cover up errors and <laughs> I'm a, I, I, I'm a uh, washed up high school athlete. I play church softball when it's back in play and uh, that captains my inner competitor. Yeah. And we, we focus on the home runs and for the past decade and a half, we, we've been able to hit home runs. Yeah. And now we don't have that. We don't have those, those massive opportunities. So how do we focus on the errors we're making? Let's clean up our fielding. And let's make the proper throws. Let's remove errors where we yeah. can. So when home runs come back, we're going to be a n- more nimble team in the championship. Yeah, team. yeah. I think it makes me think of Moneyball. You know, that they came up with those metrics on base, and and those those had more impact on wins than than any other factors. So, uh, Jake, yeah. Sorry, that's an excellent point. Yeah. Think about KPIs. Think about your dashboards right now. Think yeah. about your qualitative and quantitative data. These, again, are areas, that, again, we just want to give light and areas where leaders can say, we're going to stabilize the financials the best we can. What are some other areas? That's a key area. Do you yeah. have a balanced scorecard? What are you measuring? Is it pur- purposeful? Yeah. Is it aligning with, again, what the organizational strategy, what the C-suites agreed on? Yeah. Do, is what you're measuring supporting those key objectives? Yeah. We're really working on that organizational alignment. Again, just want to give some tactical tools out to the leaders yeah. that are viewing. So, we, you know, when you think about, you know, working smarter, living better, um, it's one thing to do that for ourselves. It's one thing to get grounded. It's one thing to get focused. How do you help others? How do we help others get that grounding? Um, you know, it's, you know, I, th- I think of the movie Jurassic Park, you know, they're in the, 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 jeeps and everyone reacts very different when the tyrannosaurus rex comes some like paralyzed some run but you know grant's character is like he does some good things for people to make sure they stay alive so how do we be like him and not like the others (laughs) and how do we help others do that yeah i had an amazing opportunity to to work with um some really inspirational executives um mark miller who uh, works at chick-fil-a and 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 done some amazing things there he's written some great content just amazing books Uh, i was at a uh a group meeting with him and he let out with saying for you to lead others you have to first lead yourself and he used the illustration of a oxygen mask before you can put oxygen on others you you need to put oxygen on yourself and that spoke to me in a very different way I believe so many people are desiring, they want to serve others and they want to really pour into others. And I strongly believe in that. Again, I touched on some yeah. of the initiatives that Archon Tower is doing on our dime with investments in people right now in organizations that really need to, to focus on their employees. But as leaders, you've got to put oxygen on in yourself. Mm-hmm. And if, if people are those gritty, um, long hours types of uh, ladies and gentlemen out there, such as ourselves, yeah. we can find ourselves not putting oxygen on. And that's the number one thing. If you take care of yourself to that baseline, making sure that you are having healthy habits, getting proper amounts of sleep, taking care of your family, you then can start to say, okay, what's that next layer? Um, this is an amazing time. And you can be, uh, you can adjust to the, maybe the annoyances of what the coronavirus is, 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 bringing up to us an example is man what an amazing time to see your employees kids on zoom call and connect at a different layer mm-hmm. or laugh about things that once you maybe not laugh about um yeah. <laughs> i'd love to see the dress code as zoom can and, and and 
video conferences are becoming the norm. Like you're seeing dress codes, you know, maybe trend down from where uh, they once yeah. were in the I, office and get yeah. to know people. Yeah. 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 That's funny. And then from there, when you really get to know what others are going through, there's are opportunities to serve. And it could be sending them warm cookies during the middle of the day. It could be just reaching out and saying, Hey, how are you doing? Especially if you know someone who's isolated, yeah. um, maybe a single person, maybe you're one of your coworkers or one of your friends. And then maybe you do know those dual income families that have childcare issues. One of our, one of, one of my partners, Ryan Lom, uh, he found this really cool app called Caribou, which allows grandparents and, and children to interact digitally and they can read books to one another and play games and all these yeah. really neat things. And how can you best support someone when you know what that felt need is? It yeah, takes one getting to know that. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So, so I want to talk about, um, stories, you know, stories shape us, narratives shape how we see the world and we're creatures that thrive on consuming stories, Netflix shows, <laughs> whatever it might be, sure. both fiction and nonfiction. You know, what are some stories, what's a story, fair parable, fable experience that's shaped you and, and how can, it, how can these stories inspire us during this, this crisis? I believe we're wired for story at, uh, at a level in our soul that is bigger and beyond us. Um, yeah. We are meant for story. Um, one of I, I'm an opportunity to work with a gentleman who's traveled almost every country in the world. And I've been following him on Instagram. Um, yeah. And he wrote, he's, he's, he, he's a phenomenal gentleman, but he once shared, you know, stories sell and facts tell. And so yeah. many times leaders focus on the facts and not yeah. the stories. Um, it's been really cool to think about that in the business application. And you think about story and how we're called into that. It's, uh, it's an opportunity for leaders to craft how they're doing change management. Yeah. An example is we're working with an organization, um, that is implementing a technology solution and you can focus on the feature functions. You can focus on the widgets or you can focus on what's the story it's telling. Yeah this organization has got payroll systems that they're overhauling and rather than focusing on those components. Um, and I, I've, I've got to tip my hat to Chris green, one of the partners at, at arts and tower. He said, we need to frame this in a story. And the story is, let's say that this employee, it's not about the widgets. It's about the fact that if we don't have better systems, they're not going to make their mortgage payment happen because a payroll system can cause a glitch and the paycheck getting out to the employee. Yeah. And that's a massive change when you think about the change management function. How do you couch your initiatives with story? Yeah. And again, I, I strongly uh, concur with this story piece and the value of that. And I encourage leaders, take the qualitative hat and put the quantitative uh, down for a moment and think, huh, how can I interject both of those at the same point? Yeah. That's why I see surveys. Survey is trying to take the qualitative aspects of what we do as a business and create a quantitative measure against that. Yeah. We're working right now on maturity models. How do you mature a business in the culture space? Like yeah. culturally, we have a, an index of where you're moving as an organization. That's a qualitative feature. Now we use surveys and different components of measurement to try to get that quantitative piece. One of the ways that you can kind of reverse that logic is using story. Mm I think that story about how to maybe take that change management function with a financial package yeah. is a strong way and a strong business application that I encourage leaders to, to, to use. Yeah. Yeah. So how can, how can the stories inspire us during this current crisis that we're in? I think there's a, from my perspective, there's unique ways organizations can, can leverage story right now. From my perspective, there's been multiple opportunities over the past two or three decades for organizations to face challenges and either stare them down and move through or capitulate and move on to their next challenge uh, mm -hmm. and close up shop. An example is the dot-com bust. The recession that we went through back in 07, the Great Recession. Um, for some organizations, it may go back to 9-11. It could go back to the challenges during the Gulf Wars. But Harnessing stories from previous generations inside the organization is a great way to cross that generational aspect mm -hmm. in an org, right? You may have Xers that experience something very differently than millennials or, yeah. or Generation Z. We talked about that internally with Fraser and Dieter. So they've got uh, amazing tax and audit people, especially for in the small business 
saying, hey, how do I start and get off the ground all the way up to serving companies like Delta with benefit packages and stuff like that. Organizations really focus on that business transformation. And we, Arch and Tower, being part of that family of brands, it's been fun to, to understand more and more about that cultural dynamic. Yeah. We were having a conversation inside the audit department, and one of their leaders said, from my perspective, I graduated in 2006 and seven. So the fact that I've got employments are really strong yeah. story for me to harness versus mm-hmm. someone who may not have experienced a down market. Right. Mm-hmm. There's stories that people could call back and that's a strong mm-hmm. mechanism, the yeah. callback mechanism. Yeah. I mean, right I now leaders can harness that. Yeah. I mean, I think the 1918 Spanish flu is, is a story as a culture we're, we're tapping into it. And what did we learn and what happened for this current moment? You know? <laughs> sure. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and, and history is is one that um, is is a powerful thing. And as leaders, we need to, to treat history with due respect and also contextualize it properly for the people that we're leading. Because yeah. um, people are hearing various narratives and really focusing on what's it mean for us? What does it mean for our team? What's it mean for our family? And really yeah. being strong on and what story are we living in as a company, as a family unit? We focus a lot about that at our dinner table. What is our, what is the story we are in as the Hightower family? And how do we best contextualize today in that larger story? Yeah. So now stories can be great and inspirational and helpful and useful. Um, but in the complex world we're in, the complex situation we find ourselves in, the complexity of business, sometimes we can lean into simple stories that can actually lead us astray. Do you have any, any thoughts on that? Hmm. Humans are complex. <laughs> and when you reduce things to the low, the, the, the minimal context or the minimal data point, you have to be very careful of extrapolation, even in modeling, right? Yeah. Uh, could be data modeling it could be sales projections well we closed this deal therefore we're going to have this huge year next year uh, hold on let's understand the true story um we believe our organization works with organizations and personality profiling we utilize personality profiles to really help each other understand how one another thinks yeah my disposition is to take s- small amounts of data and race to understand and create strategy. One of my um, partners, he's on the other end of the, that spectrum of our personality profiles. So for me, this is a blind spot that I need mm. to be cautious of. So instead of me facing this way, I need to turn around and say, hey, can you help me see what you're seeing? Yeah. And what does that do? That creates, instead of us going this way with our personalities, it says, I need you and I need value, right? So then from there, we can come together and say, what are you seeing in this space? Let's be yeah. wise about it. And let's work together to make the best decisions possible. Yeah. I just want to get that yeah. nugget. Yeah. And I think the challenge there is um, we see the world in a particular way or through a lens, right? And when we see a story or information that confirms the way we see the world or the way we believe or what we think is true, we attach to that. But the other stuff we just sort of conveniently ignore, right? <laughs> so mm-hmm. part of this is about how do we go, you know, maybe there's more to the story. <laughs> maybe I could be wrong and being open and willing to engage in the stuff that does um, challenge and contradict what we think and believe, right? Jason, you hit on two things, <laughs> challenging contradiction. And that's where growth happens, right? Yeah. And there's some great materials and great systems around challenging contradiction. Um, I would also highlight a Harvard study that said 80% of success is related to emotional quotient. 20% of success is connected to more of the IQ. So IQ versus EQ. Yeah. Majority of business schools, majority of um, organizations focus on the IQ and they somewhat brush off EQ. Mm -hmm. And what we're seeing is now is when EQ is coming home to Mm -hmm. really help organizations. And what you talked about there, generational perspectives, your own perspectives, Mm -hmm. that's a huge opportunity for organizations to pour into their employees because it'll be a bottom line impact. Let me give you an illustration. We have a group where 
It's a thousand person company. They have 60 locations, distributed workforce. They've got their centralized headquarters, working yeah. their executive team on clarity and organizational pieces. But then we've created um, with them leadership cohorts. And those mm-hmm. cohorts are going through a leading change uh, program that, that, and workshop that we've created. And part of it is understanding different people's perspectives because yeah. you said, if you can go into that challenge and contradiction and hear what's happening on the other side, you're going to be a stronger team because you're making better, better decisions, uh, stewarding resources in a, yeah. in a finer way and looking for opportunities to improve because you're having some cross-function and cross-communication with team members. So yeah. I 100% agree with you. Understanding those perspectives are key. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So let's shift from story to systems, you know, whether they're technical or human, we're all part of and creators of systems. And these ecosystems mm-hmm. direct and inform how we think and how we act. Um, your company is a model for that, for shaping the customer, the employee, and the operational experience. Um, so tell us about systems, how you understand them, how you use them, and how they matter in this current pandemic that we find ourselves in. Yeah, so systems, um, for us, there's three areas in which you focus. You standardize what you want to do. That standard, you can then create systems around. And when you create those systems, you scale. We call it yeah. standardize, systematize, and scale. And the importance of that piece is, is um, highlighted during times like this. When you have workforces that are distributed, you've got to get information out quickly. Systems allow you to do that. Yeah. So, again, have more of a, a, a bend towards how are we going to create something that scales? Um, professionally, building those systems as a team are incredibly important. It takes cross-functional communication, cross-functional work teams. We, we thrive in those types of projects. Again, arching systems around saying what departments need to be working with whom on different projects. Yeah. Personally, I have this cycle of every 18 months, my desire is to replace myself. And the goal is in 18 months, if I can understand what my core objective is as director or VP or a frontline employee, mm-hmm. if I can replace myself every 18 months or build the systems to do that, the documentation or Hey, how can I improve what I'm doing? As a professional, you get seen as a problem solver or a problem preventer, and then you'll move up the ranks faster. Um, In this season, if you're a a leader um, who may not be in charge, but have influence and you're creating influence, I encourage you, now's your time to say, wow, let me think about our business. And for my specific role in the seat I, I play, what needs to happen so that someone could come in and sit in my seat as rapidly and as effectively as possible so that I can move up in the ranks or maybe move over to another department to get a different perspective on the business. So again, I want yeah. to give you a different perspective on the professional and, and kind of a personal value or a personal goal that I have whenever I sit uh, yeah. in a new seat in an organization. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I very much share that, you know, with the work clients that I work with, you know, I'm thinking of the idea that I'm, I'm essentially going to leave. We're going to stop working together. So knowing that up front, how do we equip and prepare you and your team and, and whoever is whoever we need to bring into the fold to do the things that I'm doing while I'm working with you, but eventually won't be. So um, I, I think of have the movie uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Have you seen that? I'm not. Oh, okay. Well, the, the end of the, the movie there, it kind of, he, he, you think he's the hero, but he's really not the hero. He, he leaves. And that's kind of how I sort of see myself in, in that way. Um, so the, um, you know, that's, that's an interesting way to look at it. So how does, with systems, um, are they helpful now or are they less important or more important or somewhere in between? Uh, I believe systems are, are of the utmost importance regardless of season. Yeah. Because when you, when you have a system, you can analyze the system and you, you, you don't have to have a villain in the story. The yeah. system is the issue. Yeah. And so many times, even at home systems um, or in professional systems specifically, people want to point at each other instead of at something. And if we can create that true north to say, hey, let's understand does someone need to take responsibility and accountability? That's yeah. that's number one, ensuring that that's in play. And if you have an organization, organizational health uh, in play, accountability should be nested in that. So yeah. let me first say, 
if you don't have organizational help, all these other systems and stuff like <laughs> yeah. that are going to break down anyway because you don't have accountability to the system. Then you just have a house of cards. Yeah. But let's say your organizational healthy organization, you have strategy and alignment. From there, your system is where you can point to say, what are we seeing that needs to have continuous improvement? And from there, your systems, ideally, you have a continuous improvement cycle where you're consistently looking and saying, what do we need to fix? What do we need to um, refine? It's one of the things I've learned from Horst Schulte. Um, is the founder of the Ritz-Carlton led them to two Malcolm Baldridge Awards, which um, in, in, during his time, we, the Ritz, that was the thing. And it was a really neat program. But what it did is it made him and his leaders look at every process within the Ritz and say, how do we refine? And then based on those refinements, we have to prove by data that those improvements have increased our margins. Mm -hmm. And just being around that mindset, we've deployed those types of continuous improvement pieces in different organizations we work with, startups to mid-markets. And it's amazing to see when you start creating systems, you can point into the system and say, let's point our fingers at the system and fix that instead of the personalities. Yes. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. Stronger employees there. Yeah. I think that's great. And I think, um, I think even just understanding how much systems, how much we're in systems and how they drive us, because I think a lot of times people, they look at the leader of a company or they look at our president and they're critical or, or whatever. And not that those people don't have a role in the system, but I think um, the people put too much, they, they put too much of the responsibility on that person when the system actually is a larger piece of it, or those leaders say, I'm a larger part of our success than they, than the, than when it's really the system that's creating the success. And, you know, does that make sense? Do you agree with that? It, <laughs> I, yes. And there's a leadership point there. If, <laughs> if you still folks saying, where's, what are we doing? I'm working through that now in our organization. Um, working on my, uh, empowerment to them, to our team members to say, what are you seeing? And if you see a gap, I would love for, for you to lead out in where you sit and help me understand what you're seeing. And I believe that's where you get some really interesting innovations. Frontline team members have better visibility to the employee experience, the customer experience than anyone in the C-suite. And I really strongly believe that the frontline um, innovators are your employees and usually they're the ones that are not engaged on some of these process improvements or customer yeah. experience pieces when you look at stanford's design school empathy is the number one thing and who has the best empathy for the customers it's those employees that are on the front lines mm -hmm. so as a leader think about systems think about the best way to get data yeah. based on your systems and third and the most important one is start with empathy really work mm -hmm. to understand what your employees are seeing what your employees are feeling and then they're going to give you and give you insights to what the customer experience is like yeah so when i when i think about systems you know to pull in marvel movie superheroes here um i think of iron man iron man is just a regular man doesn't have superpowers but with systems he's actually able to become a superhero and he creates these technological systems and, and he can now be just as powerful as Thor who's essentially a superhuman, you know, and that's how I think about systems, right? That it can make us much um, more agile, more stronger, more whatever the attribute we need, we can create a system that can help augment our, our deficiencies and, and accentuate our strengths. So, so let's talk, you know, kind of as we kind of wrap this conversation up, um, you know, life is hard, it can be unfair and challenging. There are also contrasting moments of joy and prosperity. You know, as people traverse this journey we call life or as company leaders go through this journey, you know, what are your words of wisdom that you'd like to share? Hmm. Uh, very timely question. Very, uh, <laughs> wow, what a question to ask. I, I had someone sent me a text uh, two days ago and he said, you know, what have you learned over the past few weeks? And I, I quickly thought about it and I, I sent him five points and one was double down on employee communication. Can't over communicate. I can't stress, <laughs> I cannot stress this enough. We've done, we, we've surveyed almost 1500 employees in the past week and a half and over 70% were requiring multi-week communication from leadership. Mm -hmm. If you think about that as a leader, 
you may be consistently communicating once or twice, but to create that long tail, you've got to continue week after week hitting the same communication points. Most folks, it takes seven times for them to get one point. And if you're illustrating multiple points, you just have to continue that communication. Right? So double down on communication. Transparency is, is timeless. Transparency is key right now. That's point two. Um, sharing where we are. This is what we're working through. Here's yeah. what the market's telling us. It's so important. Um, this is my sharpening the saw season. Uh, <laughs> going back to seven habits. Yeah. This is where I'm looking and saying, what can we tighten up? Um, if you're looking at the desk behind me, there's uh, strategy and marketing and sales. Like, what are we doing to sharpen our saw right now? Is yeah. it refining our value proposition? Looking at our customer experience, mm -hmm. uh, exploring ways to be operationally more efficient. Mm -hmm. Those are things that, again, this is a season to sharpen your saw. Yeah. This goes back to giving yourself, number four goes back to the, creating uh, an oxygen mask for yourself. Give yeah. yourself some grace. Mm -hmm. You got to give yourself some grace. My wife does a great job of saying, how was your day? And I would, usually it starts with, I didn't get done as much as I wanted to. <laughs> and she encourages me in her, in her way to say, it's okay. And I, I, I need to live into that and give myself some grace during this season. And then appreciate the annoyances. Again, there's going to be things that annoy you. And this is a moment to appreciate them. It could be a child shooting into your Zoom screen, or it could be a long line at, at, a, uh, at a local grocery store, wherever it may be. We've been blessed with so much. Yeah. And I know that people are going through very challenging times right now. But if there's an appreciation, the fact that we're able to talk on Zoom um, today, yeah. two decades ago, was that, was that even a thing? Yeah, and yeah. it's a challenge, but you got to look for slivers of positivity during this season. So, those are some of the, kind of the, the key points that are very relevant and timely uh, within the past week. That again, we were, I was sharing with some friends and, and colleagues. Yeah, well, is there anything else you you wanted to share that you, you that you didn't get a chance to share through the conversation, or I interrupted you, or whatever? Anything else oh. you wanna? <laughs> to my appreciation for you, I, I we we started and I was like, I probably have more questions for you and everything you're working on. I'm just very appreciative of this time. Yeah, um, I would ask for folks if they would love to understand more about how we work with the the CEOs. Uh, we work with chief marketing officers, chief yeah. people officers, and COOs on kind of our CXEXOX framework. Please reach out to me, John at Archentower.com. Okay. Jason, I'll send you links to our 14 point checklist and some information on this and uh, ways that we can engage with the yeah. employee base. And again, I'm so yeah. thankful for your time. Yeah. Um, check us out at artsandtower.com. You can follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. Okay. Um, you on Twitter? It's a pleasure. Uh, we are on Twitter. So okay. all of the, the social okay. handles that are okay. out there. Yeah. So we'll link to all those on the website, the checklist. Um, any other ways people can contact you or connect with you? And, and if someone's interested in working with you, you know, what, what's their next step? You can email me directly, uh, yeah. John, uh, I'm on LinkedIn. We'd love yeah. to carry on conversation there and we'd love to serve folks out in, in your ecosystem and, and others that hear this message. So thank you for what you're doing, Jason. Yeah. Uh, thank you for during this time, um, bringing voices of, of hopefully inspiration and positivity during this, uh, this, this season that we're in. Yeah. Well, it sounds great. Well, thank you so much for, for joining me for this conversation and, uh, um, we'll, uh, talk again soon. All right. Take care, Jason. For additional stories and systems to work smarter and live better, visit jasonscottmontoya.com. That's jasonscottmontoya.com. Thank you for joining us on this episode, and we look forward to having you listen in to the next episode of Grow Your Life. Grow Your Life.